Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email agelessarttattooandpiercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Hey, it's Jeff McNichol down here at Mom's Music, 1900 Melwood Avenue. I was just thinking, when I was a kid, the magic was at Frankfurt Avenue, the Mom's Music at Frankfurt Avenue, and I used to beg people to get a ride down there just to hang out with the guys and see all the cool gear. Now that I'm the owner of this store, it's like a dream come true. We're recreating the magic with the vibe that we used to have at the old store. We're carrying all the gear that you're going to possibly want. We're giving you the outstanding service and personal attention that you deserve. Yeah, so we've got the great guitar shop here. We're carrying USA Fender, USA Gibson, Paul Reed Smith, Gretsch, Jackson, Charvel, anything you could possibly want. We're going to have it for you. Mom's is and always will be Louisville's music store. Tuning into the Metal Forge, I am Mark Jackson and I am your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at metalforgeradio at gmail.com or visit the website metalforgeradio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. Thank you all for tuning into the Metal Forge. My name is Mark Jackson, and I am your host today. I have Quentin Bird from the Histrionics here in the Metal Forge studio. We're going to be talking about their awesome amalgamation of killer fucking 60s psych and 90s grunge crossover music. Uh, heavy for sure. It's one of those things that I've always said that just because something isn't metal and it isn't played with like a fuck ton of distortion doesn't mean that it can't be heavy. Tom T. fucking Hall, rest in peace, can be fucking heavy as shit. Hank Williams can be heavy as shit. It's just in what you say and how you say it. I've always been an advocate for that. It's not about just distorted guitars. It can be heavy subject matter. And that's what is going on here as well, not to mention the distorted guitars. So, I did mention... Uh, the grunge aspect of it. And earlier this week in the news, the dude uh, from the, the baby from the Nevermind album cover uh, is suing Dave Grohl, Curse Novoselic, uh, Courtney Love, and the like the estate, uh, David Geffen, and like Universal Music Group, who I think owns the fucking Geffen Corporation now, uh, is suing for $150,000 each. But because of child exploitation, 
Is this not fucked up to everybody? Not only has he recreated the album cover several times in his life, but he now, all of a sudden, he's fucking, like, suing them for this, and it's... It seems like a cash grab to me. What are your thoughts? You know, shoot me a message on them. I want to. I want to hear what you all think. I'll read them next week on on the show here. But anyways, other than that, how the fuck you all doing? Here we are at the end of August. This is the last uh, episode in August. This has been a really fast fucking year. You know, I mean, now that things are started to get reopened and now closing again in most places, it's it's really weird. Um, I. I'm waiting any time for any of the shows that, that I'm playing that are just going to be like, all right, we need a COVID verification-like thing where you, you know, your vaccine verification or a negative COVID test for 72 hours prior to the show. So I'm waiting for that stuff to happen everywhere, actually. Which, yes, you should. Go out, get your vaccine. You know, it, it is saving lives. Seriously. So... But enough of the COVID talk and everything. It's been one of those things that over the last year and a half, we've beaten into the fucking ground here on the show. You know, uh, leading into the general profile questions, I talk about it all the time. I'm really, I'm really trying to get away from talking about COVID in the show and how the pandemic has affected people. Because I think we all know. Because it's affected all of us differently. But the musicians and, and everything, I think it's something that has greatly affected them all pretty much the same you know they didn't get the tour and just shout out so please give these give every musician that comes on the show a like a share a follow go to their Bandcamp page buy some merch uh if they're starting to tour again go out and see these bands at, at the earliest possible convenience that you feel safe enough to and just support them because that's what really matters supporting these bands and, you know, I did say something a couple of weeks ago about me buying all the material that I that I play on the show, all the albums, all the songs, everything that I buy that from these. And I think I kind of came off as whiny about that. But my thing about it is, is like, you know, that is the way I can support them as well as as well as like putting them out there for you all so you can hear these bands and you can support them. But that's my way of supporting them as well. So I just wanted to clarify that because after listening back to the show, I felt a little guilty about saying it the way I did. So anyway, down below there are links to the sponsors. And without you guys supporting them, they can't support the Metal Forge either. And I am so grateful that you all do help these businesses. Whether you're listening to their podcast, you're buying instruments from them, you're going and getting tattoos, you're going to the Discogs page. Thank you all so much, and continue to please support all of these guys. You know, Ageless Art, Tattoo and Piercing, Mom's Music, Maxwell's House of Music, Better Days Records, Unchained Tapes, Mercenary Press, The Wrestling Steve Show, The Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast, The It's Gonna Get Weird Podcast. Keep supporting those guys, because every bit helps us at the Metal Forge, and it helps them too. Y'all are fucking awesome. Thank you so much. Also, making sure you all uh, click on the Spotify playlist as well. You get to hear all of the previous uh, bands that have been on the show, and you'll be supporting those people as well, too. Thank you all. So let's get into this. This is from the Histrionics. This is Nervous Wreck. It's okay to lie. 
So I got on my back Took a breath of the pollution And weakened So Inside my white picket fence I open up my door Take a breath of the pollution And we can Close the door again I know your heart got to metalheads um hang on that's weird because last week i said the same thing and jared kelly from the brake lights who is a punk artist who is also a metalhead was here in the in the studio and and here's another in the studio with quentin bird from the histrionics that would be me dude what's going on um life i guess shit i don't know <laughs> right and <laughs> and you know this is this is a podcast so you can say shit you don't know <laughs> good yeah okay good i i was i had a light panic attack when i said that yeah um 
back in the day, I'm, I'm sitting here playing with stuff on my desk because I'm not usually at my desk. I'm usually doing these at the dining room yeah. table. So I got to put that stuff down or else I'm going to be like fidgeting the whole show. I'm probably going to be fidgeting anyway with nothing in my hands. Definitely. But see, you got the royal treatment. You got a tablecloth on your table. Oh, yeah. and, you know, nice you're getting, you're getting to sit next to the big base rig from <laughs> the overload base rig that I don't take out to shows anymore because I'm old. You're not going to blast me with it, are you? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, it is loud. Oh, it, it's super it. loud, but I, I, I think the neighbors would get pissed if I turned it on. And, <laughs> yeah, I, and I already know how the cops are in this city mm-hmm. and fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. God damn. Okay. Yeah, sometimes they are. <laughs> I mean, they pull you over for going 32 and a 30. Oh, yeah. I, Lord. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I almost I, I had a bit of a panic attack. I'm a very disorganized person. And so I had all my, like, I've, I've had everything registered and everything, and I forgot to put the sticker on, so it looked like I was uh, I was unregistered for, like, eight months. Oh, wow. Something like that. I was so lucky I had it in my glove compartment. I was, I was having a panic attack thinking I was going to go to jail. For oh, gosh. <laughs> see, and that, that's crazy, because yeah. I think they can still run them and see that it's registered. Yeah, no, but they were cool about it. I was very lucky. <laughs> that's that's shocking. Very lucky. Because normally they'd try, they'd see that you have long hair and be like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? Who's this fucking stoner? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell everybody out in Metal Forge land about the histrionics. Uh, we're like a weird psych grunge punk thing. We have no idea what the hell we are. Uh, I've been... Uh, on the Leo, they told us we sounded like Jim Morrison rose from the grave and recruited PJ Harvey to make music like weird avant grunge or something like that, which is nice, which is an, it was the best compliment I've ever been given. Cause I love both of those artists, but, um, yeah, we're like a, if, if Jim Morrison was the front man for Nirvana, I think is how I would describe it. Interesting. Which yeah. is, I think it's very very true from what I've listened to. Yeah. And you guys are a three piece, right? Mm-hmm. And you sing and play guitar. Yes, I do. Yeah. Awesome. So you uh you recently had um Static come out. We did. That is so correct. Tell us about that. It's a concept album about um poverty uh and hell in a sense. It's not necessarily hell. And just uh, it's sort of an upside down take on the american dream is the way i would describe it so- right on which is interesting to be you know you get the concept from the morrison stuff i would think no actually no no i when i started writing it i didn't even know what a concept album was and, and it just kind of happened yeah i thought hmm what if all the songs were connected like in like I don't know, like how in games, you know, you might have, say, in Halo, right? You have levels, things like that. And those all get together and they create a big coherent story. And I thought, well, why don't I just do that with music? And then I learned about concept albums like a year later. I was very young. Interesting. (laughs) So has this been something that you personally have been writing for a while now? Oh, yeah. I started writing this in maybe eighth grade. Um, but it sucked back then, to be clear. <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> but it, I, I started writing this and maybe like, uh, I got my first guitar, uh, for Christmas and, uh, in eighth grade. And I learned the C chord and I tried to write a song out of only the C chord. 
immediately, just Im- like almost as soon as I got out of the box. And uh, it's a shitty. It was actually, actually, I take that back. It was a really good Keith Urban guitar. And um, I started writing with the C chord, and it was absolutely horrible, but I was so proud of it, you know? Right. Because it's something that you made. It didn't exist before, or at least. It's very interesting to be a songwriter because of that concept. Yeah. Because you can actually get there, and you can create something from nothing, mm-hmm. whether you know, whether it's just a, a vocal melody, you can, you have uh, a great way you can write and put pen to paper. But when you learn how to play an instrument, it, it, it unlocks a door in the mind, I think. Yeah. That I know there are a ton of musicians out there and a lot of people can do it. It unlocks a door into your mind that even people who play music that have this innate ability to just hear something and play it, I think there is a time where, you know, it feels a certain way for you to do it as a person, as a musician, Uh that everybody has their own pathway in music. There are no two people that are, that are like, even in the, even in like these great songwriting teams, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, Jagger and Keith, the Beatles, Kiss, Metallica, everybody has to take their own way to get to that point. Mm -hmm. I think even within, Within bands, you know, I feel like if we all grew up, if every member of my band grew up listening to the exact same music, I wouldn't be as incredibly proud of it as I am. Does Absolutely. I could, yeah, I could get that. Um, I, you know, from the start of when I created this music, I always thought, like, I wanted this music to be collaborative, you know? I didn't want it to just be me adding into everything. I wanted to mainly, like, be in control of, like, things like lyrics because... You know, I have like the the big picture of what it's supposed to turn out, but um, in terms of just music and the way that things go, I always wanted to feel like it wasn't just me on that. You know, right? And it's actually a very good thing to have as a musician. You know, that you realize that it doesn't take just one person to do it; it does take the entire group to do stuff like that and i think the bands and artists out there that are just those single artists Mm -hmm. that you can tell it's a single artist contribution like you know the doors for example yeah are definitely not a single artist contribution band even though even though you've seen in the past like you know the the biopic the doors from Oliver Stone in the 90s and just other things like Mr. Mojo Horizon the making of LA Woman you you can see how they all had their integral part to create that music which is what i love about that that series from Eagle Rock Entertainment that classic the classic album series is because it shows you what makes this album great, mm-hmm. which is so cool because it, in all of those instances, it's not just one person. Yeah. It's, yeah. it comes down to everything. It comes down to how many times a song was recorded. Like if it's take 37 or if it's, you know, the production team that, you know, where you're singly sp- uh, splicing in single snare hits on a tape, yeah. <laughs> I mean, which like, is crazy. And I think of uh, Led Zeppelin as well, where, uh, each individual member brought something like would bring incredibly unique pieces to like what they were doing. You know what I mean? Like 
they they all collaborated, but they all had their own unique ways of interacting. Absolutely. Uh, like, for example, Jimmy Page mm-hmm. and Bonzo, for that matter. He Both of those guys were on the forefront of getting different sounds. Yeah. Not just from an instrument played, but to the way an instrument was recorded. Because Jimmy would be miking cabinets, he would be miking behind, he would be miking an ambient mic, and Bonzo was doing the same thing. I believe there was um, on one of the albums, I can't remember which one it is, where Bonzo played the drums in a stone room, and he was miked in there and just had this ridiculous room reverb from it was basically like a well cavern is what it was that they put him in there and it, and to think of that happening in the 60s and 70s yeah you know you everybody does stuff it's all a filter now it's all a plug-in on on the computer today but like to get those strange recording techniques you, you know you're just throwing shit at the wall and see seeing what works Actually, I remember a really long time ago, I used to, like, I was always looking at different ways to, I was always looking at different ways to play the guitar. And, uh, like, from the very first time I, you know, had an electric guitar and a distortion pedal and things. And uh, I remember looking into it and seeing uh, Jimmy Page playing it with a violin bow. Oh, yeah. And uh, just having a shitload of reverb on that thing. But it was, it sounded really nice. And that's kind of stuck in my mind for years afterward. And I guess I just kind of, um, I think about different ways to play the guitar a lot as a result. Absolutely. And like, again, you know, you've got to be inventive. This is the reason why I say any five dudes can get up on a stage and play a show. It's about the performance. It's about the visual that goes along with the audio. Because if the audio is only half of it. You, you have to have a good product. You have to have, you have to have people want to come and see you mm-hmm. because it, you know, like I said, whether you throw down on stage or you have this amazing stage show, people mm-hmm. go see Kiss. I have a love hate relationship with Kiss yeah. because <laughs> I love the party rock thing from the seventies. And, you know, I think ultimately in, in my generation, mm-hmm. That's usually the first band that people get into on their own, it seems like, because they see pictures of them or they see a movie. And yeah. like, I saw Dazed and Confused. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what the hell? Who are these guys? Who's, who's Kiss? And yeah. then I got into them. And then I'd never, I'd never seen them live until 2019. Mm-hmm. And it is the show. I'm not going to see them perform the songs because, you know, I've heard the songs so many times with rock radio, but it is the performance. It's the show. And I think, you know, whether it's inventive playing, you know, like Ace Freely with the pickup catching on fire and, you know, Gene blowing fire and with the sword and doing his thing in the blood. I'm going to have to look up more Kiss shows. Yeah. I have not heard about that. Yeah. It's all good. (laughs) Um, It's showing, showing age right now. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, but being inventive with your instrument, like mm-hmm. even uh, Peter Frampton with the yeah. talk box, mm-hmm. you know, it's things like that that you have to get into. Hendrix with the with the burning the guitar. Yeah, I was thinking that. You know, it's all of that stuff. And to be able to captivate an audience with it, there you go. I'd love to light a guitar on fire, but I'm too poor. I can't afford it. <laughs> right. I can't afford to get a new one. <laughs> well, the thing is, is you you find them in uh, used them shops. Up. Yeah. Yeah. You find this real crappy. No, don't do that. <laughs> because, you know, as much as I appreciate the guitar fire thing, mm. the burning of the guitar, yeah. you know, it, it always seems like even if it's a piece of, no pun intended, firewood, yeah. it was, you know, that's what... <laughs> 
I've always referred to really shitty instruments is firewood yeah. because that's what it feels like you're playing. You're playing like a, a, a neck that like, feels like a two by four. Yeah. And I still feel like there is somebody who has probably learned on something like that. Mm-hmm. And it would probably feel like gold to them. Yeah. And and I always say support the arts, <laughs> support music in schools yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, I actually I bought a Strat a real long time ago. It was the first guitar I ever bought on my own. And it wasn't a real Strat. It was like a fake. It wasn't even it wasn't even Chinese. It was like, I, I don't know. I think it was South American or something like that. Oh, wow. And I played on it and I, I loved that thing. But God, would I never touch it now? It's a it, it was a Strat copy. It was a Strat copy. OK. Yeah. Um, I put hot rails on it and everything trying to make it sound. Hey guys, Wrestling Steve of the Wrestling Steve Show here. Uh, so if you're currently listening to the Metal Forge with Mark Jackson, then you understand that Mark Jackson has a pretty discerning taste when it comes to music as a whole. You also understand that he has a discerning taste for professional wrestling, just like me. The, my show is called the Wrestling Steve Show. Uh, I talk about modern and classic pro wrestling in a completely unbiased, unfiltered way. Be sure to check me out on all available podcasting platforms. That is the Wrestling Steve Show, and I am the host, Wrestling Steve. Just remember, uh, like like Confucius said, uh, man who goes through turnstile in Thailand uh, is going to Bangkok. Pro wrestling. Hey, it's Mark Maxwell at Maxwell's House of Music. Listen, all this stuff is now available to purchase on our website. Check it out at maxwellshouseofmusic.com. We carry all the top brands, like Fender. We got Gibson. We also have basses. We've got ukuleles. We've got drums. We've got sound gear. We've got keyboards. It reminds me of when I was like a lot younger, I used to work at a... uh, a venue actually nearby here called New Albany Production House, like right down the street. Absolutely, I know exactly where it is. Yeah, a uh, guy who ran it is my cousin, actually, uh, Corey Pollard, mm-hmm. who also I've known Cor- I know Corey. Oh well, everybody does. That's the thing about Corey, man. You can't go nowhere where somebody doesn't know him. I know, but I, uh, I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, I remember seeing there was this one band that every single time they would get on stage, this dude would just lead from his fingers all over his guitar and i have no idea what was causing that and i think it was from this picking hand but uh god did that stick out to me and there was so much blood at new albany production house for no reason right remember and then there was also (laughs) wrestling shows there so the blood from the wrestling shows too that was for the reason though those were some of my favorites god (laughs) absolutely absolutely so what gear do you play on now um, I play on, uh, I, my, my drummer lets me borrow his Fender amp. Um, and then I run that through a big old Randall two by four cab. Okay. And then, uh, I've got actually two amps that I'll usually play through. The other one is a black star. The second nice. amp is, uh, because I've got a pedal, uh, called a Mellotron pedal. Yeah. That simulates like a Mellotron the same way that say King Crimson on their album, um, would use right and uh i love the way that it blends with my guitar it's, it's i love it so much but uh yeah it's pretty much and uh, i've got an sg as a guitar an epiphone sg nice yeah. and, and sgs are awesome i love them i mean god bless it yeah i mean the 
even the Epiphone models, you know, mm-hmm. you can still get great mileage out of those guitars. Yeah. You can get it, it's insane because if you the Epiphone pickups are mm-hmm. not usually that great. I've mm-hmm. I've ever come to realize. Yeah. And you can really hot rod those out. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't care for with the SGs is the body is so light and the yeah. neck is so heavy that mm-hmm. it it almost doesn't ba- it never balances <laughs> out and if you're not careful, that thing will swing to the floor, mm-hmm. and it's like shit. I think I I don't even notice when I play. I get like a weird like, especially when I play shows, I get like a weird high. Oh, like, I'm absolutely. I'm known to stumble around all over the place when I'm playing. Like not while I'm singing, of course. I keep myself balanced and whatnot, but like, yeah, I will hit the floor. Yeah, in a moment, definitely. Um, so I don't I don't ever notice the weight. I guess I just kind of play and hope to God it works out. I, th- I think I, when I did it, when I used mine live, uh, I think it was more along the line of between songs. Like if I if I ever talked and didn't have my hands mm. on the on the guitar, it would just whoop yeah. and and dip. <laughs> so I do notice it there more mm. than anything. I think I also people make fun of me because I play with my guitar so damn high up that I just oh like Tom balances. Morello, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is funny because if if you were to wear my bass right now, mm-hmm. it would probably hang to your knees oh, because I, I play that. my bass super low. I think my bassist does as well. Yeah, from what <laughs> I remember. That's great stuff. So the album came out in January of this year. What do we have going for the future? Oh, we're already working on a new album. Um, another one that I've been working on for years. Um, but uh, not to get too far into that, it's called the ugliest part. Uh, you are the ugliest part of my body. It's meant to be a little bit weird. It's a concept album that I don't want to get too deep into. No, definitely not. Because um, <laughs> we got to save something for when it does yeah, come out. Yeah, and uh, we're trying to play as many shows as we can. We're trying to... We're going... We plan on going to La La Land to record that with uh, Anne Gauthier. Nice. She's produced a lot of wonderful albums that we like over the years. I've heard some great stuff come out of there over mm-hmm. the years as well. Yeah, um, so... We're very excited about what the future holds there. So, yeah. Now, if you're going there, if I'm not mistaken, they're one of the only, if not the only, studio in in the Louisville, Kentucky area that has a tape deck, two-inch tape. Mm-hmm. Um, would this ever be something that you would consider? I know, co- I know tape, I consider. tape is a costly thing these days. You know, the last I checked, it was like... 50 or 60 dollars a reel yeah which is for a half an hour and you know but it's 24 channel it's all Mm -hmm. it's all all encompassing two inch tape would that ever be something that you would consider doing i don't see why not i'm very i'm very interested in different ways of recording like even with this album we wanted it to sound a little bit old Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um and i mean when i got out there i remember like the first thing i noticed is their gear is just way like the room just it's everything they have is just so like it's gigantic to the point where it's overwhelming just to look at right there i'm I'm very curious as to what we can do um and i think that i think that they'll be able to do a lot for us absolutely and and like i said i know people who have recorded there and it's it's insane they get such a great sound Mm -hmm. and it's it's almost like Louisville Sound City almost. Yeah. I mean, in in all actuality, there are a ton of people who that I know who have recorded there. 
not necessarily so many in the the hard rock and metal genre, but mm-hmm. I do know a lot of other people like singer songwriter people who have recorded there mm-hmm. and and just has this different sound. Yeah, I think what attracted me to uh, to La La Land was Girlwood's Daddy, which is a whole topic I'm not going to go too far into, and uh, White Reaper. White Reaper. Oh, absolutely. Again, I think is what they recorded out there. So I mean, it's just kind of. I think they're really good for recording punk music, and um, I was also really proud with Corey. Corey uh, uh, of House Productions recorded this album, Static, and God, I, I, the way that he—I love the way he records drums, man. He's—I'm so impressed with Corey every time I see him. I swear it. Uh, so, would this be something that you would actually consider bringing Corey on as a producer on this as well? Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah, see, and no that's question. awesome. Absolutely. I mean, like, uh, we're, we're so proud every time we, every time we listen to it, we're so proud of like, just how well he got it to flow, how well, like how just hard hitting it can be if, yeah. Yeah. And we just, there's, there's no question in my mind that Corey will always be a part of what we do. Yeah. Awesome. See, and, and Corey's such a cool dude. I love him. I haven't seen him in such a long time, mm-hmm. but he, he was always cool. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and shift gears here. I like to ask some general profile questions about people, just as people, mm-hmm. just to get see what they see what makes them tick. Are you good to go with that? I'm cool with that. All right. What do you do to get away from music? Video games, easy, easy. Like actually, video games easily inspires a lot of my music. To be honest, um, I love like like Skyrim. I still play it to this day. I got it on PC. I probably have it on three different fucking consoles at this point because I just love the way that it builds a world. I think that that really influenced right. me actually. Definitely. Um, and uh, Hideo Kojima who he, he did like uh, he was going to do a Silent Hills he was going to do a Silent Hill remake and the way that he managed to build just this massive like this thing that everybody wanted to know what it was in a very short period of time with this demo that he dropped um, it, it it absolutely influences my music. No question sure. about it. I get that. And I do the same thing with uh, albums, by the way. Yeah. Get it on di- like, dig it on different different media. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I get it on tape, CD, and vinyl. Yeah, <laughs> Like exactly. you do for PC, <laughs> Xbox, and... Yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely a video games person. Too much so, I would say. Absolutely. And no, the world, the open world concept is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to play D&D for that same reason. Because yeah. you could... The, the plethora of like stories that you could come up with. There's a, there's a beauty to it when you can create a world. Absolutely. That's, that's what I always keep in mind. Uh, what song could you never tire of listening to? Oh my God. There's, uh, anything. I, I'm a massive Nirvana fan. Uh, anything on in utero, especially and never mind. Who the fuck am I kidding? Happy 30th um, uh, birthday to Nevermind, by the way. It just turned 30? It turns 30 this year. God, being with... Such a, such a great year for albums in, ni- oh, yeah. in 1991. Um, what else came out in specifically 1991? Uh, 10 by Pearl Jam. Uh, oh, yeah. The Black Album by Metallica. Yeah. Use Your Illusions 1 and 2 from Guns uh-huh. N' Roses. Nevermind from Nirvana. Yeah. So many... And there, I'm, I know I'm missing some, but yeah. those are like five huge... Mm-hmm contributions oh I, I i love grunge i'm amazed i didn't realize that 10 came out in 1991 absolutely yeah i thought it was a little bit later but uh, i thought it came out like a, 
like a year maybe after Nevermind. I thought it, I have a very uh, hazy idea of what the 90s were, to be honest. Well, I mean, I, I can understand <laughs> that. I mean, for someone... Being, 20, being 21, yeah. Yeah. It's not like I can... Yeah, like you have a hazy you have a hazy memory of the '90s because <laughs> yeah. you you weren't there. <laughs> um, but I was a kid through the '90s, so anything I get it. on anything on Spiderland uh, by Slint. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of that album. Yes, um, yeah, anything on Spiderland by Slint, Nosferatu, man, especially uh, Breadcrumb Trail was a huge influence on the album I'm currently working on. Nice, um, yeah, hell massive yeah, Slint fan. What is something you've always wanted to do, but you're not coordinated enough to do? Um, <laughs> God, uh, probably, probably, uh, I, I used to be in musicals, believe it or not, when I was a teenager. It's, pro- it's the reason why I learned to sing with any decency. My use- voice used to be very nasally, very awful. And uh, I-, I couldn't dance. I-, I managed to get leads because of my voice and my acting. But, oh my God, was I the most god-awful dancer. Like, to the point where I was surprised they didn't just take me out of the roles half the time. Right. <laughs> Definitely. And any, uh, I was terrible at sports, which is probably one of the things that pushed me into music. I used to play soccer as a little kid, and uh, I was absolutely the worst player on that field. I did marching band. I was absolutely the worst marcher on that field. Anything physical, I'm horrible at. Ah, definitely understandable <laughs> uh it's it's interesting because like you you mentioned doing the musicals like the high school plays and stuff yeah. like that right and it's very interesting because it's almost like a drum aspect yeah you know that four limb independence mm-hmm. to dance and to play drums so yeah. it's definitely that rhythmic quality of of thing and no i can't do it it reminds me there was this, there was actually this one song in from heathers the musical uh where like we had to sing in like three eight or something oh. like that which was just and then it would it went to like five eight it would like it would switch back and forth because you know the main character is going crazy i do something similar in some of my music but like um, like when I want to signal a change in perspective, I'll I'll change like the time signature to whatever. I like uh, Holy goes from six eight to four four. Um, when the main character makes a decision, and uh, yeah, uh, interesting. Sorry. Yeah, it, you you actually have to be pretty rhythmically coordinated for that stuff. Very I much was so. Surprised by it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the worst album by your favorite band? Worst album by my favorite band. Shit. Um. Probably, I would have to. I would probably go with a, a rapper for this one. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I love I love Kanye West's. I, I'm actually very influenced by like rap and soul and things like that. Right. I love Kanye West. I love my new beautiful dark twisted family. Like, uh, uh, sorry, fantasy life of Pablo. And then he released uh, Jesus is King. And it's I, I actually I don't mind like soul and gospel music. Um, I think his Sunday service choir is absolutely brilliant. But like. Oh my God, that album is so it's so bad. I don't know what he was thinking. I think what it was was probably my theory has always been that he was having a beef with Drake and he just wanted to get rid of all the beats that Drake wanted to use. So he just fucking threw what he threw lyrics about Chick Fil A on there and shit. So, but I think that Kanye is brilliant. But that album, Jesus man, I don't know what he was thinking. For sure, yeah, for sure. What was your favorite TV show growing up? Um. This will be interesting because a lot of people that I know are a lot older. Uh-huh. So they say things like, 
you know, like that '70s show or King of the Hill or uh, or stuff like that. You know, stuff that was like prominent in like mm-hmm. the the late '90s and stuff. See, I grew up in an era where like cartoons were even even amongst teenagers were considered like great. Like you had like Adventure Time and things like that, right. and Adventures of Flapjack. And uh, I think growing up, it was probably it was probably Chowder. There was a show called Chowder. It was about a little purple bear raccoon thing that uh, just ate stuff, and he helped his he helped his family cook meals. Interesting. Um, and uh, I've the never guy heard who, of this. The guy who created it, he's a genius. His name's C.H. Greenblatt. He they currently are letting him do like. Uh, a bunch of, I think, the Hanna-Barbera cartoons, Yogi Bear, stuff like oh, that. Oh, cool. He's got his own little interpretation of it. He worked on SpongeBob. He worked on basically all the best cartoons of his of that time period, and I think that that was, like, his own show. Definitely. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Let me tell you about the new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. Visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. That's unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com. Hey, are y'all in a band? Do you need merch for shows? By now, I'm sure you've seen all the Metal Forge patches that are available, along with many more. Well, the printer I use for those is UKR Patcher. Check them out on Facebook and Etsy. They do awesome custom work and for extremely affordable prices for any band budget. Check them out at UKR Patcher on Facebook and Etsy. Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code METALFORGE to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Uh, what band do you like that none of your friends like? Um, probably, uh, I think it might be Weezer. Really? Yeah, I it, really, I'm actually... A, no, none of your friends like Weezer. Well, it's it's like, I think we grew up in an era where Weezer for a long time was not releasing good music. Mm. Like you had, like the Blue Album was amazing, of course. Pinkerton is, it's a little bit more controversial, but a lot of people really love it and it was very influential. And I think when I was growing up, like starting from when I was a very young kid, Weezer only just got, they got into this phase, I think, where they released Beverly Hills, which is not a song that people my age like for some reason. I don't think it's that bad, to be honest, but it's not something I would write, but it's, you know. It definitely has its place, I think. Yeah, and it's not as if it's that far. I feel like it's not as if it's that far out of their discography. And then, but then you had Ratitude, which is like, they they were having like Lil Wayne features on their music and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Can't Stop Partying is one of their songs. I could not believe what I was hearing. It's I still go back and listen to it for a laugh sometimes, but 
as much as I hate to say that, but um, a Weezer. I, yeah. I think that Weezer's. I, I I really respect that they just make whatever the fuck they want. I think <laughs> I think a lot of time a lot of, with Weezer is they're a mid '90s college band. Yeah, like they're, if you were in college in the mid '90s, mm-hmm. Weezer was where it was at. And yeah. I and there's a few other counterpart bands that I could go off and say with the same regard. Mm-hmm. Oasis is another. You know, you were or the Cranberries is another. Mm-hmm. It's that mid nineties, you know, college age band kind of thing. That's yeah. uh the Seattle without being Seattle kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, because where you had the other bands like Nirvana mm-hmm. and Pearl Jam Soundgarden, uh, yeah. Alice in Chains, those bands, you had other bands like the other alternative, like yeah, the Alanis like, Morissette's, the Cranberries, the the uh, Weezer, Oasis, the Wallflowers. On the other side of all of like that, before indie truly became a uh, a real genre, I guess. It, yeah, I would say that Weezer and th- uh, bands like that were definitely on the forefront for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There, I think that they're very innovative because of those things that people don't like about them. Definitely. And the thing about it is, it's interesting is, you know, I'm primarily a metalhead. I, I mm-hmm. listen to a lot of different music. Let's just say yeah. that I primarily enjoy metal more. Mm-hmm. But I will go out and say that those bands, like I just mentioned, mm-hmm. had heavy influence on Metallica and mm-hmm. so on and so forth because they changed their style to an era that that's exactly what it was with load and reload. I think they're their heavy is still heavy in there, yeah. but their their lyrical content was massively different. Yeah. Um, so the influence is there. And before we before we move on, uh, I just like to make fun of my drummer for this. His answer would be Limp Biscuit, and he's not here to defend himself, which is hilarious to me. Dude, so the pictures that have recent <laughs> where they were, I don't know what they were at. The yeah. the festival with that they had just played and the memes that came out after yeah. were, were so great because apparently the shit's a wig yeah uh, with Fred Durst that he's actually bald uh-huh. and he was just like he but he he has the Hulk Hogan handlebar mustache for real but like the hair is totally fake apparently and it sit there and it the meme that like got my attention and I still laugh at is it said that Fred Durst Looks like he would sell me cocaine at a Seven Eleven bathroom and then bust me for it forty five minutes later. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, "Yep." <laughs> I, I'm 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 very fascinated by that band more than anything. I think I do have a curiosity. I've been we've been listening to them like jokingly, like me and my close friend have been listening to them jokingly for like since I was in middle school, man. Right. But like, there's there's also something interesting about like. I think like even the worst bands are incredibly fascinating. Oh, absolutely! I, I listen to them like either either to learn what they're doing well or what they're doing like horribly wrong. Right? No, you're absolutely right with that because there's always it's weird because you can have a band that's like top of the mountain mm-hmm. and somebody who is just so bad yeah. like cringeworthy not necessarily a bad musician but just like their image is extremely cringe yeah. and be at the very bottom mm-hmm. and just be like so and they get some bit of stupid notoriety that's yeah. just like for being so fucking cringeworthy <laughs> yeah exactly and limp biscuit you know they're the they're the two face 
of metal at this point. And I say that because mm -hmm. you you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself <laughs> yeah. become a villain. And that is, <laughs> and yeah, that is them. the Limp Biscuit story. <laughs> Most definitely. And, you know, <laughs> I remember going and seeing them in 1999. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I think significant other had either had just dropped or was about right about to drop. Mm -hmm. And like, it was just insane because he was, they were riding that wave. They headlined Louisville mm -hmm. gardens, that tour was stained. And this was before stained became like emo stained. Yeah. You know, it was before break the cycles. They were still on their first album mm -hmm. or second album, uh, first commercial album dysfunction. And, um, it was just like, Fred was just like up in like ego, yeah, ego maniacal. Bubble. Was it, is it the shred Durst uh, video that's been going on? I'm sorry. Continue. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but like, <laughs> it was just insane. Oh, but it was okay. such a great time. Oh, okay. Got it. My bad. There was this video that was going around of like Fred Durst was playing solo and he had this guitar. Oh no, no. That this... was well after. Oh, okay. Got yeah, it. That All was, right. I think more, that was, I think when he was doing that was like when Aaron Lewis went and did his solo stuff. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. So, Maybe I'm way off. Speaking of concerts, mm -hmm. what was your first concert? My first concert? I think it was my first one. My first rock concert that I remember was Smash Mouth actually. Wow. Yeah. Really weird thing. I heard them on Shrek. Right. And I was super, I was very in the, actually, I think that was my first album too. Because I just happened to, I just happened to see it out, and I was like, "Oh shoot, the Smash Mouth album is here." <laughs> I picked that up for some reason. It was like I was like eleven, um, but you know what? Smash Mouth—they put on a good show, man. There was a Red Bull uh, sponsorship in the middle of it, but it was a good show. Nice Fourth Street Live, yeah. Wow, a Red Bull sponsorship in the middle of a live show. <laughs> yeah, and I, I thought, man, he really loves Red Bull because I didn't know what sponsorships were back right? then. Right? <laughs> Who do you wish you never saw live? God, I, I don't know about that. I see, like, I I love every band that I've seen has has had some influence on me, even though even the worst ones. You know what I mean? Um, I guess I guess I remember there was this. If I had to point one out, I can't remember their name, but there was this band that it was more that it just pissed me off because we had to we had to work on this we when i was working at new albany production house and we had midwest blood fest which is like a massive massive hardcore uh festival right and uh all of the biggest hardcore bands from around the midwest even i think from different parts of the country were coming to this festival and uh there was this one band that in the middle of their set they like just cut themselves and they were bleeding and bleeding and we had to get rid of the mic because now there was blood all over it. And obviously that's a safety hazard. And then there was a whole like period. I think they blew out. I think they blew some shit out that we had or something like that and just completely fucked us over for like an hour afterward. If I was understanding correctly, granted, I was like 15. So maybe that I'm, is insane. It was. I mean, I understand God. putting God. on a show, <laughs> but if you're like doing some some like masochistic shit up on stage, oh, you know, and, and when you're in a, and, and for the people who, who have listened to this that ever been to new Albany production house, you know what I'm talking about Yeah. for the people who have not, it is not a big place for a show. Oh, I mean, was, you could fit was, some pretty decent people in there, amount yeah. of people, <laughs> but it was not like, you're not fitting more than 150 people in there. 
Yeah. And if you did, they were packed in. So, like, to be able to do that, mm-hmm. that's, that's, no, that's I will, ridiculous. I will say, when you actually talk to a lot of the people at Midwest Bloodfest, I mean, a lot of them would fucking trash the place horribly. Like, I didn't like the effect that it had on the building, but, God, were they very nice and interesting people. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I remember there was one dude in a band that, like, felt bad about it and just sat there, like, and just came out after the show and started helping me pick up fucking beer cans right off the ground like they're they're very nice people very cool people um but shit would just always get destroyed it was horrible absolutely and you know but you said they're nice and interesting people and Mm -hmm. yeah musicians usually are nice and interesting people regardless Mm -hmm. and we're we're an eclectic group of people and we tend to collect a lot of weird shit yeah yeah what do you collect what do i collect Video um, games. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't really I don't really I'm not really much of a collector. I'm more of a Well, I I guess if there was one thing No, I I can't really say I collect anything, man. Interesting. I'm I'm one of those people that I guess You're a minimalist. Uh, yes, actually, yes. Um even for a time period I was trying to be a minimalist with the music, but then I was like, I just want more stuff here. But uh, uh, I mean, if you're a minim- if you're a minimalist in every other aspect of life, I think there has to be something where you go all out on. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of um, and most of those minimalists go all out on drugs and alcohol. Unfortunately, yeah. No, I I couldn't if I wanted to. Man, I'm terrified of that shit. Uh, well, I mean, one thing that I think probably sticks out on the album, maybe a little bit. I, I you know. I, so you remember the huge heroin crisis? That was oh, amazing. absolutely. I mean, I I grew up as a young kid during that, and I saw like a lot of pretty awful shit with it, you know. And I think everyone did around here because it was it was on national news about how bad it got. And right. Uh, so like, and like even when I look at my idols, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, people like that, Jim Morrison, you know, drugs killed them. Yeah. So I just I, I stay far the fuck away from it, but. You know, whether it, whether it had been, you know, direct or indirect. Yeah. Yeah. And it it just, uh, I guess that always just, uh, a lot of people that I thought were very smart died as a result of drugs. Like people that were otherwise, they could have had a lot of potential. Absolutely. Killed them. You hear that? So don't fucking do drugs out there. Yeah, don't do them. Uh, What is your biggest pet peeve? Um, Biggest pet peeve. Uh, the only thing I, the first thing that comes to mind is occasionally, uh, when we're playing, my drummer will hit the middle of his fucking cymbal and it makes like this harsh ring noise and it kills me. But, uh, I would <laughs> so say he, like, like hits the bell. Yeah. It's that the, like the bell, bell hit the bell hit uh, pisses. It, like, it, yeah. It oh. rings in my brain, but he knows it. But I guess that's, <laughs> I'm going to, that's, that's, I guess that's probably not the real pet peeve. I would say like negativity among musicians, like that always pisses me off. Like people who like, will publicly criticize other people's music when i mean like not necessarily like criticism's fine i mean like um the the man they fucking suck yeah like shit like that and we don't have a lot of that here i don't feel like but um you know i feel like it's a massive it's it's a detriment to not work together yeah it really is this industry you know and and i think on a on a local level a lot of people view it as competition. Exactly. And, and there's no reason for that. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody has their, their, their moment in time, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, well, not only that, but, you know. And 
And it's not like that anymore. The thing, you know, I agree with you. Yeah. The, you know, it's not like that anymore to the regard of not, if you're looking to get signed to mm-hmm. Sony, uh, Atlantic, you know, it, those fucking places. Mm-hmm. Why? You know, seriously, yeah. why do you want to be, why do you want to be picked up by Sony and why do you want to be picked up by some, some major corporation mm-hmm. when there are more independent niche market labels out there that would mm-hmm. probably be more suited for you and not fuck you over like Sony and fuck you, Sony. If you're listening, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. You copyright strike my videos for 12 <laughs> seconds of, oh, a, God. of a song. You can kiss my ass. Yeah. Sorry. Got on my no, soapbox there ahead. for a minute. Tell uh, but seriously, you know, there's more of a niche market out there and it doesn't have to be a competition. And with the, with the internet, this is where I've said over the last few weeks about how the, the quote local scene is not necessarily a local scene. All these independent musicians out there know everybody They're You know, you can like bands in Portland. You can like them in, you know, in wherever Sacramento, And they all put out great music. And you can play shows with these bands. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody wants to go on tour. So, I mean, why is it considered a local scene? It's independent metal. It's independent music. Especially... Independent grunge. Especially in an era where um, anyone can just pull up your music at any time. We don't compete for... When the audience, like, comes to our show, other than for, like, merch in in a sense, which we don't really think about it too much, but technically we like we are competing for their money but in reality like if they like your band they're going to come buy your merch exactly. it, it has nothing it doesn't have that much to do with like and what they're trying to like pay for what how much money they have and you know what's super cool about that concept of what you just said mm-hmm. is that you said if they like your band they will buy your merch and there is nothing I would say, and any musician out there you can email me and you or you can message me on any of the social media sites if you disagree with this but there is nothing more gratifying than someone who will come and buy your merch mm-hmm. before they see your band play yeah. on a local level yeah i mean when they when they just see the merch and they're like damn that looks nice and then exactly there yeah. is nothing more gratifying than that you could play a shit show and you know you play a shit show <laughs> yeah. but they'll never notice that mm-hmm. and what they want is the shirt. They want that shirt and they want that <laughs> album and whatever yeah. else, which is awesome. Uh, by the way, shirts available on Bandcamp, merch available on Bandcamp. Definitely. <laughs> Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
It's Gonna Get Weird is the name of the podcast. We're on season two. So you have a whole season to get weird with Frank Green and Scott Clark. The best part is there's always laughter. We have national touring comedians, NFL stars, rock stars, your local friends. It always gets weird. Weird answers. Have y'all ever snorted coke off of a 78 Pinto? No? You ain't no Man. Weird questions. Who had a bigger cocaine habit, Jock Sutherland or Kaywood Ledford? Neither one, because they stopped beating their wives. <laughs> and weird, we never even thought of. Well, no, my friend is on acid, and I sent my friend to go find a payphone so that I can call and turn myself in for murdering this guy and ruin my life. We love all types of people, but we don't love all people. No. <laughs> yeah. Weird. That's it's gonna get weird. Is the name of the podcast available everywhere? And thank you to Big X Sports Radio for being a proud sponsor of It's Gonna Get Weird. Frank Green, Scott Clark. Yeah. So I do have a couple more questions for you. Yeah. What album is an absolute playthrough for you? Oh boy, I've been I've been mentioning them all. I guess I'll I'll, I'll try and think of something that uh okay, uh La La Land by Wax Fang. It's a it's a local band. Um I first heard them because their song Majestic was on uh was on American Dad when I was like I was like eight years old, but I was like, "Damn, that's a good ass song." And um, they're they're like a they're like a band. I would I would compare them to Queen almost. Right. They're very theatrical in in that sense. Um, and I just uh, I love the way that their uh, progression, they the, like their sense of progression in their music. Definitely, um, every song. And that and that is always a great thing to watch. I think, yeah. especially when you're on progression of a band is mm-hmm. so interesting to me because being I'm 38. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to watch the progression of say my favorite bands like Maiden Metallica and Megadeth and these mm-hmm. bands until, you know, the mid nineties, mm-hmm. because that's, you know, when, when I really remember a lot of, you know, being first getting into music about 94, 95, ish mm-hmm. and you know and they'd had a fifth you know 15 year career before that yeah so seeing bands like black sabbath and led zeppelin do that same thing you know they were all it was all after the fact and getting the so like listening to master of reality first and then being like well what comes before it and what came after it you know seeing a band do that in real time yeah is so much more gratifying you know to be a fan of a band today that's mm-hmm. That maybe have started in, you know, 2005, just yeah. for just an arbitrary year, 2005, whatever. And to see the album that they put out in 05 and 07 and mm-hmm. 2010 and 2014, you know, just to see that progression is such a gratifying thing as a fan. I think, I think, uh, I think another good example of, of like how a band progresses over time, um, I would say. Another album that was put out, it was put out in about 2012, it's called Melted by an artist named Ty Siegel. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. Um, well, that that was very influential on me growing up, actually. That album is an absolute playthrough, but this man is a man who's, I don't know how in the hell he does it. Uh, he releases an album like every single year, and they're almost always bangers. They're almost always incredible. And, um, you know, you just watch the way that he goes from like this incredibly weird fried garage rock artist to like more of a like a classic rock sounding artist, but right. still 
in his own like weird fried style. And um, I think that that's one of my it's been one of my favorite artists to watch. Absolutely, years. Yeah. I'll definitely check them out for sure. Yeah, same for with sure. uh, Car Seat Headrest. That's an indie band that another guy that released. I think he released like five albums in one year. Dude's a monster. But, um, you know, now he's signed to a massive record label. And he was doing this, all this stuff from his laptop mic. And uh, now he's like actually extremely well produced. And it's it's been incredible to watch. Interesting. You know I mean? For sure. So I've got one more question. Mm-hmm. But before we get into it, as always, links will be listed below. So go to that Bandcamp page. Go to the histrionics pages give them a like a share a follow instagram facebook wherever you can find them links will be listed below buy some merch buy some albums support these guys in any and every way you can do you have any shout outs you want to give to anybody before we go today uh to belushi speedball a band that and uh senior diablo that's a Local punk band. Absolutely. Everybody knows about them if you live here. Um, I, I drank the Listerine. Yeah, yeah. When they were in, when they were on the Metal Forge back <laughs> oh, in yeah. 2019. Oh, they were. Yeah. That's cool, yeah. Yeah, um, they were actually on the radio version. Ah. Uh-huh. And if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around here, mm-hmm. uh, Senior Diablo, uh, I think I still have it. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I do. I think I have it. I need to frame it. But Senior Diablo actually did my drawing on a on a chip bag, <laughs> and, and presented cool. it to me before they left. Yeah, yeah. I they they're so they're such supportive people. Like uh, Senior Diablo, I just love his channel. It's like um, he he just goes through and he records basically every band that mm-hmm. comes around them, and I just I think that that's so important. Like other forms of media in Louisville, which I guess I should shout out like. Um, shoot amber who's going to be doing amber of earth is her tag on instagram i can't remember her full name to be honest but she does amazing photos i'm just trying to shout out other talented people absolutely uh, apod amazing band incredible talented people uh anemic royalty incredible talented people um god if i if i missed you i'm sorry shout out to mom Shout, shout out, out grandma. I, I do want to shout out to Phoenix for not being able to make it. Shout out to Phoenix. Shout out to my drummer Phoenix. Shout out to my bassist Rylan, who is a genius. They're both geniuses for the record. Definitely. Um, well, Phoenix couldn't be here. He was planned to be here, but he's actually allergic to cats. Mm-hmm. And I have two cats. So he so we might get another interview with Phoenix down the road some point in a neutral location yeah. where where he's not like dying from from the cats being around him. He's a he's a very interesting person. I think any interview with Phoenix would be an absolute blast. So if you do if you do get around that people please listen to it. You'll have a blast. Guaranteed. Hell yeah. So final question for the Metal Forge today is what album changed your life? In Utero by Nirvana, most definitely. I know that that, I think that it's just, okay, so I had heard, I remember, okay, so how I started my whole music uh, journey, I guess, was I heard the song Happy by Pharrell Williams about 10 billion times, and I absolutely hated it to the point where I was like, man, I gotta just make You weren't happy. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) man, I gotta, I guess I was like, you know, be the change you want to see in the world, so I just picked up a guitar for Christmas, and a little bit before that, I, I had heard the song Heart Shaped Box, I think, by Nirvana. And I just was so fascinated by how, like, pretty and ugly a song could be. Absolutely. Um, and I, I just, that that changed, that definitely changed to the way that I saw music. 
absolutely. Definitely. Um, He just managed to take very ugly things and make them beautiful. There is a book out there, and if I find it again, I will definitely pick it up for you. And if you, you might already actually have it, that it's the complete Nirvana noted recordings. Mm -hmm. And basically what it is, is it goes through every album and it gives notes on the album, the way they were recorded, like the thought process behind the recording of the album. It actually goes in and breaks down the different versions of albums. Like, for example, Nevermind, the first version doesn't have uh, the secret track on it. Yeah. uh, And then the set, it's like the second printing of it does. mm -hmm. But, or like certain songs will be out of an order on a certain printing of an album. It's it's an extremely awesome book because Mm -hmm. going back and reading it about... Uh, and I used to have it years ago, mm-hmm. and I don't know whatever happened to it. Kurt Cobain was so meticulous yes. on the way he recorded an album. When they went to record in like Minnesota or Wisconsin mm-hmm. for when they recorded Nevermind with Butch Vig, he budgeted out. They got sixty thousand dollars to record that album. Yeah, Butch Vig was like forty five of it. Yeah, and it was crazy. You know, his fee was forty five grand. I think Steve Albini did the same thing. They offered him a hundred grand and it was like, absolutely don't give me a hundred grand for this. And he, I think he took like 50 or something like that. Right. Less. Yeah. So when he, when they budgeted all that, it was like he, Cobain, uh, pronouns, pal, uh, <laughs> Cobain had knew that like how much tape they would need. Yeah. Reels of tape that they could only afford like six reels of tape. Mm-hmm. Because they were like, at that point in time, you know, they were like $50 a reel or some shit like yeah. that. And they were going to, and they were like 30 minute reels. And they, they had to know how many times that they could record each song mm-hmm. before they ran out of tape. And it's just insane. Yeah. No, I mean, they were, the the level of attention to, not attention to detail and just uh, experimentation. Yeah, when you when you read about like the kind of person that he actually was in his own time, like I remember I read that uh, he had this where the name Montage of Heck, like that documentary where that comes from, was that Kurt Cobain would he took like he used to make tapes and things like that, mm-hmm. and all he would do is just take a bunch of songs and just kind of mash them together into like really weird noises, and um, I think that that like it had a big impact on his work because. You hear something like radio friendly unit shifter and the way that they use noise to portray, you know, the the mindset of the song. Um, I think that I think that the way they use noise um, was just. It, I think that how it kind of came out and into that band, it, it's just it's fascinating. Definitely. It's fascinating oh, it absolutely is, and it's like I guess in closing to that is. You know that old saying: "There's a f- there's a real fine line between insanity and genius." Yeah, and Kurt Cobain straddled that line, and he knew it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, Quentin, thank you so much, of course, for coming on the Metal Forge this week. It's been a great time. I've enjoyed everything that we've talked about for sure. All right. So, off of the album Static, what are we going to go out on today? What are I would we going to play? 
I would say Exorcism. Probably be uh, fans would most like that one. You heard that yet? I have not. I so this will be a first for me. Even. Yeah. You heard him. This is Exorcism. Let me take your hand. With mine, I'll leave you staying. I'll take this world and I'll make it mourn me. Hey, thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of the Metal Forge. I want to take a minute to remind you guys about the Patreon page. Over on the Patreon page, we have the tiers set up to support the production of the show. We feature the Down and Dirty, which is just a buck. There's nothing special for that one. It just sends me a thank you because every dollar helps. Then there's the Double Down and Dirty. Much akin to the Down and Dirty tier, everything helps produce the show in the end. You make your presence known, and I appreciate that more than you realize. Thank you for being a dedicated friend and supporter to the Metal Forge. By selecting that tier, you will receive some cool Metal Forge stickers in your mailbox. Now, we're really going to start pounding the metal madness with the Apprentice Metalhead for just $5 a month. 
By becoming an apprentice metalhead, you'll be given early access to the shows, published 24 hours before everyone else gets it. You're also going to receive three entries in any contest that we do here at the Metal Forge. You're also going to receive a 10% discount on all Metal Forge merch, and you're going to receive a sweet Metal Forge patch for your battle jacket or backpack. And now, here is the big one. This is the Master Metalhead for just $10 a month. By becoming a Master Metalhead, you will receive a hand-numbered Metal Forge Master Metalhead membership card. You're going to be given early access to the shows as well, with 36 hours before everyone else. You're going to receive five entries in any contest that we do here at the Metal Forge. You'll be able to submit audio questions that I will use on the show of you asking questions to the upcoming guests. Remember, timing is everything, and you will need to keep up with the upcoming guest list on the website. You're also going to receive advanced knowledge of any new merch coming out and be given a 25% discount on all Metal Forge merch. And you're also going to get all of the other rewards from the other tiers. So visit patreon.com slash Metal Forge Radio today and help support the Metal Forge. Rock on. <laughs> 